0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. This is a feast that continues to be controversial in the church. We should know that this is not an ancient feast day. This feast was instituted in 1925. And it was kept shortly after being instituted. It was adopted by many Protestant churches as well. And as with a lot of traditions in the church, there are many who find it unhelpful and sometimes even antithetical to their own understanding of the Christian faith. You see, some have seen this day and experienced this day as being too domineering, too triumphant in its understanding of Jesus. Many see it focusing on the wrong vision of Christ, preferring shepherd, savior, brother, friend. And I understand that. I mean, I understand that concern. I have certain hymns and prayers that I do not use any longer because of their triumphal or militaristic themes. And I I understand the era that they were written in. I'm I'm not desirous, though, of bringing them to my personal worship experience today. But the thing is, we need to know the story of why Christ the King was inaugurated. Pius XI instituted Christ the King in 1925. Think about that decade, the 1920s. What was going on in the world? There was an enormous hole created in humanity because of the insane loss of life in World War I and in the pandemic of influenza that swept around the globe. An entire generation obliterated in a short period of time. This threw the world into absolute chaos. Some who had escaped it, many, of course, being the rich, said, okay, this is time to party. This is time to hold on to and flaunt what we have. This is a time to firmly establish that the old ways are going to stay here. And the golden age is going to be here forever. And so we had a time of great hedonism among the wealthy. Contrary to that and in reaction to it, We have the rise of the hoi polloi, the rise of the lowest class who says, I will no longer do this life this way. I will no longer work myself into an early grave for that guy sitting on the top. It's not going to happen anymore. And by the way, there are far less of me now, so I get a bigger say of what happens in this world and how we govern. And revolution began everywhere. Think of Russia, the communist revolution there. Think of all the different places in the world where the social system was turned on its ear. The lords and ladies of the manor had fewer and fewer of those to do their bidding People had tasted and seen death everywhere, and they no longer wanted their lives to be nothing but drudgery. A sea change happened in the world. As happens, though, revolutions did not happen without (laughs) bloodletting. There were wars. There were more people killed, more people decimated. There were political assassinations and reprisals everywhere. And into this fight the church crept. There from time immemorial, many times on the side of the rich, and there were priests and bishops who were killed in the midst of these roving revolutions happening everywhere. Contrarily, there were also priests and bishops who sided with the revolutionaries, who sided with the poor, became politically active, and then were usually summarily stripped of their priesthood because they were being too radical. Into this chaos, into this vacuum, marches fascism. And this is when you get a figure like Benito Mussolini, who comes in and says, I'm the way. If you elect me, I'll take care of everything. In fact, I'm the only one who really can bring everybody together and make people safe. Where have we heard that before? Okay. into that chaos, Pius recognizes there was a desperate need to focus the church specifically and then hopefully the world as the church influenced the world on the king of kings, on the ruler of rulers, on the suffering servant who was lifted up. And so, the feast of Christ the king was inaugurated, think about what that must have felt like in the midst of politics, the post-war pandemic, frankly, the jazz age, (laughs) hedonism. It's no wonder that um, we in this country decided to cool it for a minute and have Prohibition. Not, not that it worked, but we understand where it comes from, right? Christ the King Sunday is a time to recognize that the ruler of the universe said that his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom resides inside of us. We forget that because we, just like people of every age, get promised a bill of goods, and then we start to identify ourselves with those who promised that bill of goods, and our eyes turn from worshiping God. Our eyes turn from the suffering servant that was Jesus, and they align themselves with power. If we could, for a moment, Stop jostling for that power. Stop seeking money and fame for ourselves and our tribe. We might finally realize that we're not going to actually get out of here alive. And maybe we'll recognize Jesus as that servant king who knew the genius behind living in the world that way. Today's readings take us on a, on a journey of hope and promise in the midst of really horrific suffering and pain. And if we look at them chronologically, then we would begin with the psalm, Psalm 46, written during the reign of a good king, good King Jehoshaphat, who led his people well but was constantly plagued by warring neighbors who wanted to come in and take the land and the treasure and the riches of Judah. We hear the exultant praises of God, shouted almost as if they were a shield around the people of God who were suffering under that threat of invasion. Into the midst of that terror, God provides a river whose streams make glad the beleaguered city even to the point that these beleaguered people might be still and know that he is God. From the prophet Jeremiah, we hear words of judgment upon false shepherds who allow Judah to worship other gods. Jeremiah is the prophet of the exile. He preaches to a people who were being overrun and then taken away into captivity. They had lost everything. And so Jeremiah's job was to preach not only judgment for the things that Israel had done, but also the peace of God in the midst. He preached God's desire to collect all of those who had been scattered. God's plan, spoken to a people in captivity that there will be a king that rises up to lead them into a bright and, fut- a bright and fut- um f- pardon me, fruitful future. Our passage from Luke It's a familiar scene. We don't typically remember that we're going to hear it this time of year. It's that horrific scene of Jesus' torture on the cross. Even in his agony, he is caring for others. He offers forgiveness and mercy to those beside him and promises eternity in paradise. Such incredible peace. Love in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that terror. And that is the gospel, the gospel we love, the gospel that is good news to us. It's good news to the world. Finally, in the letter to the Colossians, Paul, writing from prison, staring at his own death, writes, through Timothy, of his love for that small church. He encourages them to keep the faith through focusing on Christ as the head and the leader of all. Part of his reasoning is that they are constantly being enticed by false prophets false preachers who come to say oh there's an easier way to do all of this surely just come follow us you might even get in good with rome and paul knows that that leads nowhere and so he's encouraging that flock he's encouraging that little church one of many little churches throughout the ancient world that become because of this incredible work from paul and all the apostles small ships carrying people through the seas of turmoil friends we are in the midst of turmoil today and yet we have the same gospel The same message, the same king who came not to reign as a powerful potentate, but to change the hearts of everyone who encounters him, to be able to promote love and peace and joy and charity and service. Think about our situation today. It's the same every generation We have our own sufferings, our own infightings, false teachers, offers of glory wrapped up in the world. This is one of the ways in which the Bible is always relevant to us, because we always need to be reminded, especially here today, Jesus Christ was not an American, he wasn't a Democrat, he wasn't a Republican, Jesus was not even a Christian. Okay, Jesus can only be king of all and available to all if we stop trying to cram him into these little tiny boxes, this sectarian stuff, where we try and keep our faith safe and relevant. We try to take the open arms of Christ and wrap them around our little group and then we don't even get the benefit of the king that we follow. It's only when we relinquish our grip, our cloying materialistic views of kingship that we get to recognize Jesus Christ as our king. And as the song says, all of the cares of the world will melt away our trust will be put and located in one place. Our life, our walk day to day begin to take on his rhythm. And we stop bifurcating ourselves constantly into these sections, into these warring factions. God put us in this world to be one with it. If we could see this world as a place to be renewed, preserved, loved, rather than used up, destroyed, fought over, then the peace of Christ the King would reign in our hearts. It would reign in creation. We could create a loving ark out of this place, picking people out of the river of hate that is preached to them and saying, we have a place for you. Come follow the king that doesn't want to hate but rather wants to love. Follow the king who is willing to serve even to the end rather than rule with an iron rod. Think about all of those who are lost in that tumultuous sea We have room. We have a king that's leading us into service, into love, into salvation from what this world offers. God willing, we will be ready to follow him. Amen.